So on this episode of the Tax Chick Podcast, we are going to continue with our discussion on incorporation. And we're going to take a bit more of a, I guess, a technical approach to that discussion today. And I have my friend Phil on as a guest. And Phil is currently working in finance. He calls himself a lapsed tax accountant, and he's been working in corporate treasury for the past uh, five years. He says, though, who among us really forget their first love? And in Phil's case, it's tax. (laughs) So he says that tax can be an intimidating topic for many, and he thinks that's unfortunate given the real value in having a solid baseline comfort and being able to ask questions and understand answers. Phil is always happy to help friends and family understand their current situation, and then he gently pushes them towards paying for more concrete advice than he's able to provide. Phil and I connected many years ago now through the in-depth tax course. We were in the same small group, and we became friends. Phil is witty, he is smart, and uh, I was sad when he moved to another province, and so it's been great to reconnect with him. And when he and I had reconnected about six or seven months ago, we started talking about the podcast and some things that, that maybe Phil could talk about as a guest on the podcast. And we decided that this whole concept of incorporation and whether one should incorporate or not would be an awesome topic because it is something that Phil gets asked all the time. It's certainly something I get asked all the time as well. And so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. And I think we're, we kind of bust some of the myths about incorporation and this idea that, you know, incorporation somehow makes you fancier or more important or makes your business more legitimate. And that a lot of people tend to incorporate for that reason. And, and that's so not true. And so Phil and I try to provide some markers, some things that you can start thinking about. And once you have gotten your head around those items, you'll know whether or not it's time to seek some more professional advice. Because the thing about incorporation is it is so fact specific. And there are tax reasons and there are non-tax reasons to incorporate. And those reasons will differ for your business versus your friend's business versus the business down the street. And so just because it's right for person A to incorporate does not mean it's going to be right for person B. So in today's podcast episode, what we're really trying to do is give you an idea of some of the questions that you should be asking yourself. And if the answer to these questions is yes, then Phil and I suggest it's time to pick up the phone and make an appointment with your advisor and start talking about it in your specific context. We really want you to understand your business and to understand what it means to incorporate and understand how that's going to impact your daily life going forward. I am always saying that business owners are wonderful, smart people, and you deserve to know all aspects of your business. You deserve to understand what it means to incorporate. You deserve to understand how you're being paid, how money is moving through your business, and you deserve to, to understand the tax consequences of the decision you've made. And not only do you deserve that, but I believe that you have the power to understand that. So that is what today's episode is about. And uh, without further ado, I will introduce you to my friend, Phil. Well, welcome, Phil, to the podcast today. I am so excited we reconnected recently. Yeah, yeah. I was happy to see you pop up in my uh, LinkedIn a few months ago there, and I saw you had started this uh, this podcast. I was very interested to 
listen to some episodes and and uh, reach out to you. Well, because Phil and I go way back, we we endured the CPA in depth tax course together, and he even agreed to be in a small group with me for a project. So you you were prepared to hang out with the lawyer, and I really appreciate that. Now, keeping in mind that a lot of that was uh, through distance, so that maybe allowed some level of comfort and separation. <laughs> uh, so glad you're a couple provinces away, Phil. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm really glad we've we've reconnected because one of the things I always liked about you was that you were really focused on making sure you clearly understood and clearly communicated um, the tax concepts that we were talking about. And I think that's why we clicked um, back in the day. And so when we reconnected, we we had an idea that maybe we should uh, get together on a podcast episode and, and maybe geek out a little bit on tax stuff. So I'm really excited to have you today. But before yeah, we get into the substantive topics, I had given you a bit of a warning that I always ask my guests the same two questions. And uh, I always am curious to hear the answers. And because I haven't seen you for so many years, I was particularly interested in what your answer was going to be. So my first question is, what is the last podcast you listened to or your favorite podcast? Now, aside from the the obvious fact that I feel this question is is you trying to plug yourself on your own podcast. Well, it usually works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of what I listen to for podcasts is is pretty light entertainment. I like a lot of uh, spoken word comedy type things. Something that I'm really into right now is uh, just finished up the back catalog of a podcast called the Dead Pilot Society. So it's uh, basically um, failed uh, scripts for TV pilots, uh, which have gotten to a certain level of success. They've kind of gotten greenlit to get produced by various networks but then never turned into a pilot and actually filmed. Uh, so those pilots then are getting read by um, actors, comedians, uh, and then with an interview after with the writers as well. So I find it very interesting with somebody in a completely non-creative career, you know, in finance, um, to, to listen through very successful writers talk about how they approach failure as well as like a lot of this stuff is just really funny. It's a lot of really good quality content. So happily recommend anybody check that out. Um, a lot of good stuff on there. I had never heard of that one. And I, I like to sort of sprinkle my podcasts with stuff that's somewhat, um, I guess, educational. But then I like to mix in some humor. And so I'm always looking for a good humorous podcast. And I, I like this. I'm, I added it to my list. So I'm going to I'm going to try it out. The The other question that I had is, what is the emoji you use most often when texting? Yeah, it, it, I'm definitely uh, old school, way older than my age, I think, in this regard. Um, I don't select from the drop down. I, I like Hell. to type out by character. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, what I would typically uh, like as kind of my preferred emoticon is the colon backslash just conveys a certain aura of, um, you know, confusion and, and ambiguity useful in many situations. That's, that's very you, Phil. I, I really, that's, that's a new one. That's a new one for me. All right. Well then let's just sort of dive in because I had told you that I was doing, um, incorporation month this month on the podcast and on all my social media, because I feel like it's the question that I get asked the most often by business owners is, you know, when do I incorporate? Should I incorporate? What does it mean when I incorporate? 
And there just isn't a lot of of good information out there that's easy to digest. So I've had an episode that has come out already that we really talked about some of the soft issues and it came from the perspective of a a litigator actually turned business owner and and, and she's incorporated herself. But I think today we were going to approach it from more of the finance, tax, sort of business side of things, um, as almost advisors, what are some of the things that we want to highlight when someone comes to us and is looking to incorporate? And so we had discussed that we were going to try to tackle three topics. So we thought we could start with, you know, what is the difference between sole proprietorship and incorporation and how are they taxed? And then also, how do you know when it's time to incorporate? And then once you've incorporated, what should you be keeping in mind? So, I mean, we could probably talk for days about this, but we're going to try to hold to our time frame today and just give people some of the high level thoughts on these issues. So should we dive in? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, in a similar situation to you, I haven't been practicing in tax for a few years now. I've, I've shifted a little bit into uh, more back end corporate finance type roles. And I, I do still get tax questions from time to time, or more likely, I will hear people talk about tax and I will insert myself into the conversation. And where I most often find myself doing that is that, that question of incorporation. I think, you know, the context I often hear it from is people tend to assume that there's some sort of, uh, you know, financial wizardry that they could be doing in any situation where they can just simply decrease their tax. And, you know, this is often assumed to be some sort of magic pill in a lot of circumstances to say, well, I could just incorporate, right? Like as if that there's some secret list of steps that they could follow to decrease tax. And I think that that sense of separation between um, what somebody feels they have access to through the Canadian tax system versus some kind of, you know, other group of people through their own financial connections they might have access to. I think that partly creates the um, uh, almost antagonism where people are afraid or unwilling to learn about tax and what's, what's possible for them. So when people talk about this in, and, and I'm, you know, able to guide them through that initial question. Often it comes from that place of uh, maybe almost resentment that there's something that they feel that they could access if only they knew more. And I think in a lot of cases, people who are just starting out in business, it's not necessarily the right time for them to incorporate and that the benefits are not really what they perceive or expect them to be based on what their you know level of understanding is. So it's an interesting question, I think, because it's one of those ones that comes up when people are almost first starting to, um, you know, really investigate what's, what's possible for them. Well, and I think what's interesting about it is it, it seems to be that usually the question stems from another friend or family member who has incorporated. And oftentimes that person doesn't even truly understand what they've gotten themselves into, but someone has told them I always call it Tim Hortons Coffee Row. Like I feel like it's yeah. that's what it happens in Canada. Somebody tells somebody that this is a better thing and therefore everybody should do it. And nobody really understands what they've gotten themselves into. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that can make you, I think, you know, seem, you know, uh, wise beyond your years if you have this type of financial advice. And in a lot of cases, it, it can make sense, sure. Um, but whether it does or not is, is often going to depend on a couple of, you know, specific elements for your own situation. 
And I think because we often don't talk very clearly um, in, you know, what you might call polite society about the nitty gritty financial details of our lives, people kind of gloss over what what makes a tax situation make sense or or what their assumptions are that are underlying this kind of um, almost advice that's, you know, passed through multiple people. So that can maybe impact how accurate the the advice or information actually is, because we, we do tend to be reserved about these things. And I think that that's why it's important to, um, you know, have a podcast like this. I really appreciate it. I've listened through most of the episodes that you've done. And I think that just having these frank conversations is important because oftentimes people don't have access to any information short of, you know, Googling on their own, which can be very difficult for somebody who's not savvy or, you know, to the point where you're already paying for advice. And and often there's a, almost a middle ground where it's not necessarily worthwhile to, to sit down yet and, and pay for advice, but you might want some level of information to really guide you towards something that, that could need to be professional advice and there might be value in that. And just having these conversations and opening up about it more than what's on coffee row and kind of, you know, side glance sort of advice is helpful, I think. Well, and, and I, I thanks, Phil. I appreciate that. I, I think that that's sort of the purpose of today is for us to give people some food for thought and maybe maybe even give them some questions that they can kind of have rolling around in their head as to whether or not these things kind of apply to them. And so when you and I had talked about this, we realized we, we kind of had to go back to basics to start and to just talk about, you know, just two different business structures. I mean, there's lots of different business structures, but let's talk about two of them because those are the two that we're seeing most often that people jump from one to the other. Um, that being the sole proprietorship or just, I mean, in the non-fancy word, you run your own business yourself. Uh, versus a corporate structure. And the difference between those two things, I mean, both from, I guess, a tax and a non-tax perspective. So I, I don't know if you want to kind of kick us off by talking about that. So, you know, I, I think the initial framing of the question just needs to be understood in terms of the administrative and financial cost associated with incorporating, and then to have that compared with the, the potential benefits that exist. And I think people should just understand that in terms of, you know, the, the level of involvement of, of getting involved in, um, you know, an incorporation, there's some work to be done there. And just understanding that and being ready to accept that there's a, a cost benefit analysis. In a lot of cases, there may be some minor benefits to incorporating that, that, don't outweigh the administrative and um, financial costs associated. So just consider that in terms of, you know, you'll need to be doing additional tax filings every year, which you can pay for, or you can do yourself. Either way, there's going to be some level of burden there. And then beyond that, there's, you know, an initial period of working through uh, you know, a lawyer to assist in incorporating and, and some sort of tax advisor, tax accountant, tax lawyer um, to make sure that things are kind of done in, in an appropriate way. So there's going to be an initial setup cost as well. And then going forward, there's a little bit of, you know, a greater need for you to make sure that you are um, separating your personal life from your your corporate activities more cleanly. 
It's always that's a, a good great idea. point, Phil. I, I think that's a great way of describing the difference because when you're a sole proprietor, it's just you. When you're a corporation, now it's like you've you've split yourself in half. You've mutated and you have to yeah, separate and, it. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a lot of cases, the the you know good business hygiene that's required to maintain separate books and records for a corporation versus your personal financial life. That's often a very good idea if you're starting out in, in what we would call a sole proprietorship. Uh, but the the emphasis on that separation becomes more critical uh, from a record keeping perspective. Maybe to Absolutely. back up first uh, in terms of just laying out the groundwork for what is a, a corporation versus a sole proprietorship. Sole proprietorship in Canada is basically anything that you are doing to operate some form of a, a profit-motivated venture where you do any any type of work for somebody or, or you have some small business, you know, technically you could say that a lemonade stand on a sidewalk could be a, a sole proprietorship. You're not really formalizing anything. There may be some form of, you know, business licensing required depending on what type of work you're getting into. But in a lot of cases, you may just, you know, start um, selling some handicrafts and you're not really doing any paperwork. And then at the end of the year, you haven't really formalized that relationship of this, this business as a separate entity. We call that a sole proprietorship. And you'll just simply be including that income if you make anything um, on your regular tax return, the same as you would any other personal income. So just to go back to that, with that kind of common level of understanding that a sole proprietorship kind of starts out at this junior level of a business, I think a lot of times people assume that um, that implication is something that really holds true and that if you're really being serious, well, then you're you're going to incorporate. And I think that that sense that you are, um, you know, doing something formally like incorporation, surely that's the next step. And that's not really the case because a sole proprietorship could go all the way to, you know, a a profitable ongoing uh, business that you're operating for yourself. We'll get, you know, through and and talk about the differences of corporations, but that connotation of a sole proprietorship being amateur level is, is not necessarily the case. That might be the most common simply because it's very common for people to have some form of a, a side gig type um, venture and, and do something, sell some goods out the back of a truck, but that's not really the whole uh, package of what a sole proprietorship is. And then you take that, compare that with a corporation where you are really creating a separate legal entity with you know historical need of a corporation kind of existing for the purpose of allowing investment in a business without having the liability of that business always fall back to you. And that sort of context of a corporation being a separate legal entity, allowing you to put money in and in some cases um, being able to be confident that if, if things fail, that you won't be pursued yourself for what the corporation has separately done. Absolutely. And I think as part of this, you and I were thinking we would talk again about the concept of integration. And I've, I've talked about this on previous podcast episodes as well, because I like this idea of 
a corporation almost being like a separate box that you can you can put money into and it's it's still owned by you but it's a completely separate box and so when we think about things from from a tax perspective as to whether or not you will get a tax savings from having the separate box one of the factors that we look at is whether you're leaving anything in the box or whether as soon as you put it in, you're taking it all back out again. And so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about this concept of integration. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, from a tax perspective, I, the way I often describe it to people is that the fundamental goal within the Canadian tax system of integration basically means that unless otherwise defined, the goal is for uh, income earned by a corporation to be taxed at the same level as income earned outside the corporation. That's kind of step one, the base fundamental assumption of the Canadian tax system is that unless otherwise defined, there's not going to be some overarching benefit that you're receiving. The theory is basically that, um, you know, if the government wants to support uh, business growth and expansion, which sometimes does require or is benefited by setting up separate legal entities in order to promote that, um, there's a goal to make sure that you're not suffering a double layer of tax by having a corporation. And likewise, um, there's theoretically a goal to make sure that you're not overall just simply reducing your taxes by doing nothing else other than incorporating. So with that understanding that integration um, is a goal of the Canadian tax system, you then need to take the next step and say, in my circumstances, is there a tax savings or in theory, in, in some small cases, there might be a, a tax penalty to incorporating where basically that goal of integration isn't perfectly achieved. And so sort of the example for that is that if, you know, if I'm going to be employed by someone and I'm going to receive a dollar of employment income personally, the idea of integration is that I should pay the same amount of tax on that dollar that I earned personally as I would if I earned the dollar in the corporation and then paid it out to myself. And, and as you've indicated, I mean, sometimes we're more perfectly integrated than others, and it depends which province you live in. I feel like we both keep saying it depends, but it does. It depends on so many things. And so that's kind of the idea that, you know, it really you have to look at it, as you've said, for your circumstances. Are you leaving money in the corporation? Which mm -hmm. province do you live in? What are your long-term plans to figure out whether integration really works or not? Yeah. And I think the simplest way to kind of, you know, have this conversation in terms of where there may be benefits is to look at what I would consider to be the most fundamental tax benefit of incorporating a business, which is that overall, by the time you get the money from your corporation personally, your business is going to do whatever it does to earn revenue. It's going to make a sale. Your business is going to, as a corporation, pay a, an initial layer of tax on that. One way or another, you're going to get that money personally. And then at that point, you'll pay a personal layer of tax on that. And through integration, you add layer one and layer two, that should be more or less the same as simply having a sole proprietorship and, and paying it all as, as personal income in the first place. Where there's a break there is where there's a, a significant period of time between step one and step two. If you are able to defer having that cash received personally, that's the fundamental benefit of incorporating in Canada, which is really what I would consider to be one of the most direct goals 
purposefully within the Canadian tax system to promote uh, investment in business. Right. The concept would be if you're earning net profits within your business, separately incorporated, you've avoided commingling funds with your personal life and you're showing that this is something that you're just doing for business purposes. If you have net profits at the end of the year and instead of receiving that as additional salary or dividends, if you reinvest that and grow your business, that's what the, the government is trying to promote through this effectively a tax deferral. Right. So that's what I would say for most people to consider is step one, would you be relying on the income that you anticipate earning from this business um, and therefore you need to receive it personally? Or do you anticipate that very shortly you will get to a point where you will be able to continue to reinvest the profits from the business? That's so an excellent about- segue though, Phil, into issue number two. Way, way to way to move us from issue one to issue two. So so you're kind of saying our first sort of thought process, and this is often when I tell clients too, is when I hear someone say either I have too much money, which I don't hear very often anymore. But if I hear someone say I have too much money or I don't need all of the money that I'm making, that's sometimes a really good indicator of, hmm, maybe we better start looking at things and see whether it's time to create this other entity. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people tend to put the cart before the horse. This gets back to this concept, um, you know, I referred to before where I think a lot of times people feel that incorporating is, is a natural sign that you're taking things seriously. But if you're in year one or year two of, uh, some business venture that you're doing, I think it's very likely that you might not be turning a profit at all yet. Or even if you are, um, you might be starting to rely on that profit to supplement, you know, perhaps you've reduced hours from another job. If you're shifting from a more traditional, you know, uh, salary employment into a business venture, you might be relying on that income one way or another in the opening years of starting a business. I don't think it's very common for you to be already at a point where you're long-term investing those profits directly back into that same business line. And you want to keep in your head, what's what's the value of that tax deferral? One way or another, at the end of the day, CRA is going to get their cut. But if you can defer that for five or 10 years or until retirement, you've deferred you know, some significant portion, let's call it half of the tax that you would otherwise be paying on this income stream until that period of time when you, you ultimately need it. So the longer you defer that, the more you have the ability to grow those you know, not yet fully taxed proceeds on a, a, a reduced tax rate. And by amplifying that growth in the, the opening years, that's fundamentally the, the main tax benefit of incorporation for most people is if they can simply defer that second layer of tax when they receive money personally. In the opening years, it's, it's often too early to think about that, but that's why it's important to not consider this as something that you kind of naturally need to do. It's something that depends on what's your financial situation and where is the business in its its lifespan. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I want to take a few minutes to explain who I am and why I started this podcast. I am a tax lawyer and I practice in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. 
I feel pretty lucky because my day job allows me to have conversations with some wonderful people who are very knowledgeable in their fields of practice. I thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with you. I know the tax can be complex, but there are some basic foundational principles and key information that you deserve to understand and to know. I hope that when you finish listening to each episode, you feel like you have learned at least one thing that will be helpful to you in your day-to-day life. And maybe we will even give you a laugh in the meantime. But enough about me. Back to the episode. So if we were to kind of come up with a bit of a checklist of some of the things that you'd want to be thinking about if you're if you're pondering the concept of of incorporation, one of them is, you know, do you have profits? Uh, have you had profits for a period of time that you're suddenly not sinking everything back into the business or taking everything out yourself? And I think that's a great a great starter. And then you've you've kind of kicked on to another another one, and, and I always call that kind of the cost benefit analysis. So this idea of you don't want to do it too early because you're not going to reap those full benefits if you kind of jump the gun, so to speak, and and get in there earlier than you need to. And you have to remember that once you've made that decision, there are costs associated with incorporation. You have another tax filing that needs to be completed that's a lot more complicated than your personal tax filing. So you may need to hire an advisor. Your books and records now definitely have to be completely separate. Hopefully you've already separated them, but you now have this this additional bookkeeping requirement. There are legal obligations. So the cost of incorporating and then on an annual basis, there's usually some sort of annual filing with the government that's required. And so all of these things start to add up and they can be, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year. And so if you're not even saving a couple thousand dollars in tax because you're still pulling everything out, now it's kind of that question of, well, geez, why did I do it? Because I just made my life more complicated and I'm not getting a benefit. So so those are some of the things I can I can think of. And any others on the checklist for you? Yeah, I, I think even just the, that concept of, you know, not doing it too soon, people may feel that, you know, the time you start the business is the time you need to decide whether to incorporate and Canadian tax system is relatively flexible about allowing you to incorporate after things have pro- progressed to a certain point. So there's no need for you to to jump the gun like that. In, in terms of that checklist, I I haven't personally, you know, been approached by somebody who's contemplating this where that first question about are you able to defer taking some of those profits personally? I haven't really seen a situation personally where somebody has been in where where that hasn't been a deciding factor. I think if you're not at that stage yet, you know, you can look to that as a goal. Um, But outside of that, the tax benefits start to talk about, you know, a few percentage points difference between depending on what province you're in and how you're taking the income and what your other income levels are. That's where, you know, it really is valuable to make sure you're getting proper tax advice from somebody who's really looking into your exact financials, but you don't need to get that far. I think before you know whether you're kind of in the ballpark, when you're in the ballpark, that's when you're starting to to make some money out of it. Even in the opening years with a sole proprietorship, if you are operating uh, a business venture for the purpose of making money and you have losses, 
you can claim those losses against your regular income if you don't incorporate. Um, so, you know, if you buy some equipment to start doing some woodworking, if you're doing that as a hobby, probably you're not going to be able to claim those as, as business expenses. But if you really set things up in a way where you're anticipating that you're going to be earning money off of a woodworking hobby and starting to turn that into a, a business venture, you can claim those losses. If you incorporate too early, those losses get kind of siloed within this corporation and they only have value once you get to a certain point that you're actually earning money in the corporation. So it, it's often uh, better to have those initial years happen before incorporation. Well, and I think too, you've you've stumbled across another really important part and that's the idea of sort of cash flow and being aware of whether you're profitable. And I think that when I talk to a lot of business owners, the whole idea of looking at their books and records or their, it just, it's scary. Nobody wants, I mean, I don't like looking at numbers either. You know that I, I hate spreadsheets, but <laughs> I, uh, but I think it's, it's something that's so important for a business owner. And so almost getting your hands around the idea of cash flow and whether you're actually profitable is almost step number one. And either finding a good financial advisor, a good business advisor, um, if you have a relationship with a bank or, you know, having those open conversations about is there leakage somewhere? Um, you know, how is my cash flow looking? Because those are the types of conversations that can really lead you to a successful conversation down the road about when incorporation is is important. But if you don't know what your cash flow is and whether you're profitable, you'll never know whether you can make that next step. You can start to do some of those, um, you know, good business hygiene practices well before you incorporate. You can go to your bank, you can open a separate business account without incorporating. There's maybe going to be some limitations on how you are able to present yourself. You know, this is one of those non-tax um, benefits of incorporating is you can have your card that says such and such limited incorporated corp. There is a little bit of cachet in that from a marketing perspective, if you're in a business line where that's something that, um, is potentially valuable. Um, but that's not everything. You can still set yourself up to operate under some form of a, a business or trade name, as long as you don't associate it with, you know, implying that you are incorporated, and to do that, to have a separate bank account, to start to operate as if it's a separate recording entity, you can do that well before you incorporate so that, as you say, you have an idea of, of what does your cash flow actually look like and are you actually profitable at a certain point? Well, I wonder if we should just sort of end this discussion by by sort of our last topic, which is well, once once you've incorporated or once you've made that decision to incorporate, what are some of the other things that you kind of want to keep in mind? Because now you've you've jumped down that path and it's now something that's different than what you're used to. So are there some things we can maybe let the listeners know that they're going to want to keep in mind? Yeah, I think a lot of people start to assume, you know, the way I loosely um, alluded to at the beginning, you know, there's some separation of liability when you incorporate in a lot of cases, um, you're not necessarily going to have access to the types of benefits that you might anticipate. As an example, if, if you decide that you want to grow your business through uh, borrowing some form of a loan, very likely any bank is going to want you to personally guarantee that loan, even if you are incorporated. So in a lot of cases, you will find that you are still personally tied to the success of the business. And it's important to make sure that you are keeping a good, strict control over 
what's business activity, what's personal activity. If you need to draw funds from a business, are you recording that so that it's very clear that you are paying yourself a salary or dividends? Um, and that's the sort of thing that you want to really do with, with good um, business advice through accountant or lawyer um, so that they make sure that things are set up in a way where you're not going to get a surprise tax bill at the end of the year. One of the other you know, side issues with incorporating might be um, in terms of drawing salary, are you recording things in a certain way or doing proper withholdings uh, for EI or CPP or making elections about those things, um, you know, basically stating to the government in advance about what you're doing in a way where there's not going to be a confusion about whether you do or don't owe uh, you know, salary taxes on, on what you're taking. All those things start to get more complicated once you are incorporated. So it's not as easy as check the box and away you go. You want to start having regular conversations, um, hopefully not just at tax filing time with your advisor. Do that in a way where, um, you know, you should really try to find an advisor who has time to speak with you. If you find that you are reaching out to a very large firm, you might not yet be at a stage where they have the time to talk with you because they're not set up to deal with small clients, potentially. In, in, that's not always the case, but ask around, see what friends of yours who have incorporated do, reach out to your networks to see who's really geared towards a business of your size so that you feel comfortable actually speaking with this individual and getting the advice that you need on a timely basis. Make sure that they're aware of what's going on. That is such good advice, Phil, because I, I often say to people, don't just go to your advisor at tax time and they tell you, you're going to take this as dividends. And you walk out of the office and you have no idea what a dividend is. You don't know why you're taking it that way. And you don't know what it means. You, you want to go into those conversations and ask the question of, well, what does this mean for me? How do I document it? And and you've stumbled across a, a good point that if you're going to be taking salary and you've incorporated, well, now it's kind of like you're the employer. So now you have to have a payroll account and you have to worry about all the payroll remittances and that's extra filings at CRA. And it's not that hard. It can completely be done. It's not hard at all. But it's about knowing that that's what you have to do and having someone there to support you as you kind of walk through that process. And the other one that I find often gets missed is if you've been operating your business as a sole proprietorship for a while, you probably have stuff. You have customer lists. You may have a name that you're using. You may have a lease for a building um, that you're operating out of. And you can't just keep all that stuff in your personal name once you've incorporated. So there's a, a bit of a process to get that stuff from your personal name into the corporation. And it, you will need some advisors to get that done. Yeah, I think it's always important to make sure that you are having those conversations early. Um, and, and also, you know, it's it's hard for, for us to say this, you and I, you know, we got into tax one way or another, and there's things that we enjoy about it. And I, I don't want to be glib when I say, I think it's very important for people to understand the tax situation that they're in, right? I, I think if you overly rely on an advisor to the point where you don't understand what is actually transpiring, there's a few risks there. One, there's a risk that something just simply happens with that relationship and, and you're not able to convey your situation to another advisor. Um, but there's also risks around, you know, making sure that 
you're comfortable with the steps that are being taken. And that also you understand what's the level of knowledge that your advisor has about your situation. Um, I think there are a lot of very solid financial professionals in Canada who really do their best to serve their clients. But because tax is not a licensed profession, there are people that, you know, may be offering advice outside the bounds of their experience. And the only way that you can kind of get a sense that that's happening is one, really reaching out to your network to understand who you can trust to have initial conversations with, have conversations with those people on an ongoing basis so that you feel comfortable in the way that they're conveying information. And if they're not saying that information to you in a way that you can understand, maybe it means there's more learning that you need to do on your side, but maybe it also means that that person is not really communicating to you effectively. And that's that's that initial seed of what might create a problem where something's not being done correctly, not through any malicious intent, but if, if a small time, you know, tax advisor is trying to increase their business, something that might happen is that they might start to take on clients that are outside of what they're comfortable with and, and to not be aware of, of where their expertise has been, you know, reached already. So it's always important to try and make sure that you're understanding that advice. And again, easy for us to say because we're tax professionals and there's something that interests us. I know that people don't want to talk about tax for a variety of reasons. But if you're getting to that stage of deciding to incorporate, I think that more than any other person, I think you're at a point where you need to start to take this as seriously as the other elements of your business um, that you are, are getting invested in. You can't simply you know, write an annual check to your lawyer or accountant and, and assume that things are being taken uh, you know, done appropriately simply because if you're not having that ongoing conversation, they're also not going to know what's going on in your life financially in a way that they might be able to provide even more uh, beneficial advice to you. Uh, you know, a lot of what we've said today has been pretty um, high level. We're not getting into details about specifics, rates, and things like that. And people kind of assume that these are, um, you know, the go-to sorts of things you should be able to quickly fire off. It depends so much on your personal situation. It really needs to come from somebody who has the ability to dig deep into your financials. It's got to come from an advisor. Before you get there, do research like this and, and start to ask yourself those initial questions about, are you able to separate the business? Are you making money yet? Is there some ulterior motive you might want to be incorporated for marketing purposes or similar? And then once you get to that point where you start to feel, okay, I think there's some value here, start to have those conversations with professionals. They're, you know, always going to be free to have those initial consultations. That's, that's how new clients come in, right? People are going to be happy to have those initial conversations just to do a temperature check to say, maybe you're ready, maybe you're not. Don't be afraid of doing that if you think you're at a point where you start to need that advice. Yeah, I've, I've been nodding my head furiously and then realized nobody can see me because this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I completely agree with you. And I think that as business owners, you, you have to realize that you've already done something really amazing. You're already running your own business and that's hard and you're really good at whatever it is that you're doing. And so just because something else seems somewhat daunting because it's money or it's tax, you can totally do it because you've already done something really hard. And sometimes I think it's about just reframing the way that you're thinking about it. You're really just learning about your business. It's not that you're learning about taxes or you're learning about finance. You're learning about your business and what impacts you. And you deserve to know that. And you have the right to ask curious questions. 
and to have someone educate you. And as you've said, Phil, if, if you're with an advisor that either doesn't have time or is telling you you don't need to know that, you need to find another advisor because it's very important for you to get that foundational knowledge so that you have control over your business. You deserve that for yourself. So uh, excellent, excellent parting comments, Phil. Yeah, just a couple of other things, you know, to, to ponder over that we didn't um, directly discuss, you know, other situations where it might start to become, you know, beneficial to incorporate. Just getting on this idea of, you know, what you mentioned about, you know, understanding your business. This is also the type of language that people who are going to start advising you in other areas of your business, this is the type of language that they use. You want to start talking to your bank about, you know, getting a loan your bank is going to be using a lot of the same terminology and structuring things in the same way that a tax lawyer or accountant would. And to invest the time in yourself to understand these concepts is also going to start to prepare you for those broader conversations um, that can become important. And they don't impact every uh, business necessarily, but this is kind of the common language of, of finance is, is tax, is is one way that I was uh, told it when I started and it, it can be beneficial to see that lens for what it is. You know, there are other circumstances we didn't talk about where it's, it's kind of beneficial. Just want to briefly mention, you know, there are circumstances where you might be operating a business with another person. And then there are a few different forms of setup for that business that you can take. You can have a, a simple partnership which for tax purposes can be very similar to a sole proprietorship. You can have multi-share ownership of a corporation where everybody's kind of buying in shares. Once you get to that level of complexity where there's multiple people getting involved, doubly so is it important to get good advice because you want to make sure that as you're having these kind of interpersonal business relationships that you have you know, a very uh, foundational um, support system, people who know what they're doing, who can really guide you through that. So that's just one other thing I'd say is that when you start to talk about a multi-person business, um, I think it is fundamentally important to um, have those conversations in a way where every side can kind of understand that there's a business side and a personal side. And avoiding these discussions about should we or shouldn't we incorporate or have a formal partnership agreement or or do any various things, the more formally you do it, the more you reach out for external professional advice, I believe the more prepared you are to separate business from personal. And I think that that's one of those important things to make sure that you don't let a business overwhelm a personal relationship also. That's a great point, Phil. I, I think that's a, a great way to kind of remind people. So often they get into business with friends or with family and, and that's a wonderful thing, but that creates its own extra added excitement <laughs> when it comes mm -hmm. to making this this leap or this new step. And there's often some other agreements that should get signed and and some other professional advice that that should be obtained. So that's an excellent point. Well, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate this. We may have to have you on again for Phil 2.0 talk on yeah, something this, else. This has been great. I really appreciate you reaching out to Amanda and, you know, hopefully 
um, what we went through is, you know, somewhat helpful to somebody who's starting to ponder these questions definitely would require, you know, further investigation, but these opening discussions I think are are really valuable. So good on you for starting the podcast and really trying to spread out and, and cover a topic that's, that's not very common online, you know, Canadian tax for, for small businesses is I think uh, something that's not out there a lot and having these conversations is I think very important. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It's been great chatting with you, and I hope you have an awesome rest of the day. Yeah, you as well. Take care, Thanks, Phil. Well, that is all we have time for today. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and also to find out more about today's guest. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in reading or learning more, I invite you to subscribe to my blog, The Tax Chick Blog, and to follow me on Instagram under the handle at tax.chick. A huge thank you to my guest today, and also a big thank you to my husband who created the music used in this episode. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.